Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Satellite and New Space team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast. Your host today are me, Kashish Meeting, and my colleague from NUCO Satellite and New Space team, Andrew Bull, and we're delighted to be joined today by Yulia Marushak. Head of Business Development at KP Labs, a Polish-based new space company who aims to accelerate space exploration by advancing autonomous spacecraft operation using artificial intelligence and onboard computing and processing systems. Yulia has been in the space industry for nine years after graduating from Warsaw University of Technology with a master's degree in aerospace and mechanical engineering. She has worked with several Polish space companies such as Astri Polska and Capitec, where she was managing director before joining KP Labs to lead business development activities. Welcome to the show, Yulia. Hello, uh, thank you. <laughs> to, get to, us started, you. <laughs> to get us started, we always love to ask people the same thing. How did you get into the satellite and new space industry? Well, um, I always answer to this question uh, that it was a, a chance. Uh, a chance that I received by chance. I was always uh, passionate about aviation and um, I wanted to become a pilot when I was a kid. And, you know, it's been it's been my dream for a long time. And my dad was crazy about aviation. I think it was his dream that never came true. Um, so I started my studies in aviation university and um, I was studying air traffic controlling and the uh, systems that um, help in air traffic controlling. And then um, after some internships, and then I moved to uh, to study in Warsaw University of Technology, and I was all in aviation. Um, the thing that I was lacking is that aviation, it's it has its rules. And it's when it comes to innovation, um, there is a lot of innovation in aviation and materials. But for me, I lacked the sense of like freedom in innovation a bit. So um, after my graduation, um, I was looking for, for some job opportunities and I had several things on the table, uh, which are more in aviation sector. And by, by chance, rather by chance, I, I met a person who worked in space sector and who was planning to open a consultancy office in Poland, um, innovation consultancy that would support Polish space market companies to enter the space sector. And they were looking for someone to run the activity, to develop the activity locally, um, also to support because the company, um, the mother company was located in France. Um, so basically transfer what they have in France to Poland, develop it here. And, um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how I got into space sector because after this uh, talk was my first boss and I call him for me a mentor in a lot of things. Um, I got so inspired by space sector uh, that I, I figured that's something that I want to try. And it was a very changing thing for me because I'm coming from a very technical background. But I always felt that I don't want to be a simple engineer. I wanted to be kind of this dot connector. When you have the technical mind, when you know the technical part of the things, but at the same time, you are a part of um, connecting the dots, bringing people together, building businesses and helping them uh, develop. And that's something that always, um, always kind of been a driving force for me. So I gave it a chance and um, it was an, an amazing experience. Also quite, quite changing because um, 
when I joined space sector in Poland, it was extremely much different from what it was at the moment in France. It was very young, it was developing, it's, it, it was learning. And um, that also was amazing because I, I got a chance to see Polish space sector um, almost from the moment we joined a European Space Agency and had a chance to work with the companies and seeing them grow. And KP Labs is one, one of the companies like this. So that's how I basically got into the space sector. Wow, um, and I bet you're glad that you did, uh, especially with everything you've achieved so far. Um, so sticking with the past then, I'm going to pass you over to Andrew, who's going to dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, thanks Katia. So uh, as Katia mentioned, we're gonna stay in the past just for, for a little bit longer. Um, but I'll be honest, I think you've already answered my first question. Um, and that was gonna be, is there a person who's had the sort of the biggest influence, you know, on you in the, the, the space career uh, that you've had? It sounds like perhaps it was the individual who kind of brought you into um, the, the space industry, but parking them for, a mo for the moment, you know, who would you say throughout your career, you know, has had the biggest influence on, on you? Well, I think it's, um, it's quite a complex question because um, if you're working in, um, in any sector, um, usually it's not one person. It's people you meet along the way. I think for me, um, the very first person who influenced generally my technical career was my father, uh, who was always so passionate that, you know, that drove me also into this innovation and technology. And um, then my, my first mentor, uh, whom the thing is, he allowed me in the job to use my creativity, to use my innovation. And despite the fact that space sector also has its own rules, we were able to use some innovative methodologies to create things. And it also, it also gives young person who just starts its career, a freedom of thinking, a freedom of development. Uh, further on, I think um, as I was uh, growing in, in, in my career and developing, I think I met a lot of people and it's, it's not about what they did exactly, but how they did and how they approached the work and the way they approach the, the work that really motivates me. I'm also very much motivated about women in STEM, not because um, I'm a woman and uh, I believe that uh, you can be good in every sector uh, because that depends on your capability or um, as, as a person and your hard work. But why am I inspired um, uh, by women in the sector? Because for a very long time, even space sector has been dominated by male and I've seen a lot of um, I, I've seen a lot of women making their way in in space sector or even aviation and becoming leaders becoming um, like leading engineers and that really inspired me not the way that who they become but the way they did it and it's it it's a lot of motivation it's a lot of hard work the work they put in it so I think that's that's something that really inspired me during my career and involvement. Well, look, thank you very much for for sharing that. And I, you know, I I really do agree with you. You know, this has been an industry that you know has been dominated traditionally by men. Um, but it's really kind of interesting to to see that changing at the moment. And I know we're going to touch on uh, a couple of questions around that coming up in later in the podcast so um next question we've got around you know the past is what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you personally have had to overcome in your career so far um 
I think um, my ambitions have been the biggest challenge for me. <laughs> I always want uh, to do more, to achieve more, to do something better. And um, it's it's been challenging because the way the sector sometimes develops or the, the way I want things to be, they are not the way they are. <laughs> or yeah. sometimes we're limited by, um, I don't know, local legislation or by some budgets for developing of things. And when you, especially when you think big and you want to achieve huge things, um, sometimes you you are put into the ground with you know the things that surround you. But I don't think um, this challenge it's it's a big problem. It's just the way you adapt uh, to the um, to the reality you work in and find the ways to make what you want happen. Um, by making this challenge an opportunity. I would say this way. Uh, well, look, I, I think I need to introduce you to one of our co-founders. Uh, his, uh, his, his sort of, I suppose, tagline is the obstacle is the way. You know, there is exactly the, the challenge is just an opportunity to to overcome that challenge rather than anything else. And it sounds like you've got that approach as well. I mean, it it really helps you. Um, that's when you bring uh, your capabilities to the maximum uh in thinking how you can make something happen and there are uh, it turns out that there are plenty of ways how you can do it but when you start thinking you just that's when you you find them absolutely so, yeah. and now just for the last question around the past what has been the most exciting moment you've had so far in the space industry um i think um it was quite at the beginning of my career and i think because maybe it's the first thing that was really like uh, so amazing for me um it was the start of ariane uh, ariane 6 rocket in in kuru that i visited so that's that's it for me it was just an amazing experience so um i was organizing the hackathon uh, for uh, for space in Poland. That was the first space hackathon in Poland. And uh, the team from Poland, they won the international contest. Um, we went to France, they went also, um, they uh, they also won in France. And then the, uh, the prize was to go for the launch of the rocket Ariane 6. And because as an organizer uh, of, of this event, I had a chance to, to take the team. Uh, and it was an amazing experience because um, it's not just watching the rocket launch. We got a chance to to visit uh, the Guan Space Center to see how people work. And in space sector, that's what I love about space sector. Mostly people who work in space sector, for them, it's a profession, not a job. They they live with it. They they talk about it twenty four seven. They just you know you feel it. Like we visited some of the uh, we visited homes of some of the employees. And it's just like, it feels like their whole life is around this. They they live with. And um, we got a chance to visit different rocket science, uh, rocket sites um, of Vega, of Ariane. We got a chance to visit the control centers. And it, it was just an amazing experience. Not the not the launch itself, I suppose, but rather the this week of atmosphere of people who completely live uh, in in what they love. So I think that was the first thing that I, kind of pops up in my mind. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the people in the industry, as you say, for them, it's, it's not a job. It's, it's a passion. 
Um, it just so happens that they've managed to find a job with what they're passionate about. And I think that's, for me, certainly one of the, the kind of the exciting things in the industry. Um, so look, thank you very much for, for sharing your thoughts there. So we've, we've spent a little bit of time in the past, no better place to go now than the present and the future. So Katia, over to you. Thank you, Andrew. Um, no, I couldn't agree more. I think I've uh, encountered so many individuals who just live for the space industry and it doesn't ever feel like a, a job for them. Um, so I think that leads in nicely to my next question about present. Um, what is your take on the current state of the new space industry? I think the fact that we're talking about new space industry is already amazing. Um, it's uh, it's relevantly quite new still, um, but um, it talks for itself. Um, it's it's an industry of opportunity. It's an industry of innovation, of chances, of uh, possibilities. And it's industry also of young innovators, because um, if you compare space sector at the moment and how it was like 20 years ago or more, um, it was a lot of scientists. It was more scientific oriented. Now it's very much business oriented and, um, you know, companies pop up in space sector very fast. Also, they disappear quite fast, some <laughs> of them, but uh, the ones who stay um, and have the innovation, they really change. Uh, they, they really change the, the way the sector is developing. And now we will talk today about onboard data processing. We talk about the new technologies in materials in general. We, we talk about the new swarms of satellites coming to, to space that appear not in 15 years, but in one or two years and, and bring to us the information that we didn't have. We also see how space sector at the moment influences the military sector and what information it gives and how it changes the, the war uh, the, at the moment. So, it's, it's amazing things that are happening. And the thing with the space sector, they are happening fast. So you have to be fast, you have to be good, you have to be proactive. And also um, new space sector, it's also about more cooperation. Um, sorry. <laughs> the light disappeared in, in the office. Uh, it's about the, um, the cooperation between the companies and being open, um, be, being open to cooperation uh, because we see quite amazing projects uh, coming up in the sector of um, space situational awareness of earth observation of uh, telecommunication uh, we see all these technologies you know coming to reality so fast and also uh, we see how fast we started moving towards the moon at the moment and the destination moon it's our next destination so i think it will be new new space coming so yeah um, i, I would yeah. say the new space sector it's at the moment sector of passionate and sector of opportunities amazing um you've got me really excited there actually i'm getting what what's going to be coming in the next five years or so i certainly see us getting closer and closer to the moon um but it really brings me on to my next question. Um, so other than KP Labs, of course, um, what other company or most recent development are you excited about for the future of the industry? Um, well, I'm very, I, I will not say here about a company, but I would rather say about the, 
the development. So I'm I'm quite excited about the space-based data centers because this is something new. I'm I'm quite excited about the the way it's developing around the moon subject um, because we had such a long um, time when the subject was on hold, and now we um, it's it's coming and the technologies that would be proposed for this. Um, some quantum technologies and things like that. It's it's amazing because I think um, on Earth we will try to use as much as we have developed here uh, to to bring um, into this moon exploration. Um, also, I don't know, like there's there's so many things like this quantum technologies. What is happening there? Quantum communications. Um, this onboard data processing, like um, we will, I think, come back to this, but uh, five or 10 years on 10, it's a long time, but like five or three even years ago, you would go and talk to people about onboard data processing and they would say, no, but you know, there are too many obstacles, it's not impossible. And now, like you go to every single conference and there are panels about this. So, um, I'm also excited about this onboard data processing. That's why I'm working in KP Labs. <laughs> I usually, um, usually my my career, of course, it's it's around something I'm excited for, and I think I'm I'm lucky and and happy to have this chance to work in the companies that make me motivated and excited about what what we're doing. Amazing. Um, so I'm going to pass you back over to Andrew because I think we're ready ready for the subject that matters. Thanks, Katia. So yeah, we're, we're on to the topic that matters today. Um, and with you coming from, from KP Labs, you know, this was uh, this was an obvious topic to talk about. And you've already sort of mentioned it that, you know, in the last few years, we've seen a big shift away um, from data processing on the ground to having a much more, you know, much more advanced computing and processing power on orbit. Um, you know, with, with some people even saying that we're entering the era of smart satellites and, and spacecraft finally um so look, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what impact you think this move towards you know more onboard data processing on orbit processing bringing you know terrestrial computing power finally you know into the space economy in space um love to hear what impact you think that will have on the, the future of the industry what new services and, and what new solutions you think that will bring um, and, and I suppose also, you know, what part KP Labs will have to play in that future? So thank you for this question. Um, it's it's a good one. Um, so generally, I will I will take a bit of a step back uh, to start where this onboard data processing is coming from, because um, the the subject has gotten quite popular in the, the upcoming in in this years, but. Um, a lot of people are still wondering why why this is happening. Not not from the space sector, but mostly people from from the outside. Um, and I would start most probably from the Earth observation sector. So the amount of the data that is generated in Earth observation sector it's tremendous. So if we have at the moment about like more than one thousand satellites for Earth observation uh, circling the Earth. Um, there are more and more constellations coming from the commercial sector. So amount of this data is growing and growing and this data needs to be sent, this data needs to be stored, this data needs to be processed. And before um, this data comes to the final customer in form of the application or a service that a farmer or um, I don't know, public services could use, there is a long way. 
um, this data comes unprocessed. This data comes raw into the data centers, and um, this data quite often is very complicated. And what makes it even more complicated is the um, very fast uh, development and progress in the sensor resolution and frequency. So basically, um, with the coming of the hyperspectral cameras into the market, this have be became quite a problem. Um, to give you the example, like hyperspectral, uh, one hyperspectral image, it's about two gigabytes. Wow. So that's a lot. And if you have a hyperspectral camera, that's, you know, 150 bands. And uh, so basically for one chunk of, of uh, uh, plane, you would get like 150 images. And uh, with one image of two gigabytes and um, uh, uh, data transfer uh, speed of five, uh, 50 megabytes per, uh, per second, it would take around seven minutes for transfer of one picture. And let's be honest, one picture wouldn't give us <laughs> too much information. <laughs> That's the point of the hyperspectral imagery because the amount of the data we receive allows us to to extract a lot of quite necessary data. And uh, typical length of a typical communication session, it's from five to 10 minutes. So we understand uh, that speed, basically it's quite, quite important, the speed of data analysis. And um, it, becomes, it becomes a problem and people started looking for solutions uh, for this problem. And that's when they figured, okay, why should we send all the images to the earth when we can protest them in space? In addition, when um, camera takes a picture, quite often it does not take only the pictures that we need. It takes a lot of pictures. Some of them are cloudy. Some of them have some interferences. And at the end, sending everything to the Earth, it ends up uh, with us having tons of pictures. Half of them are not relevant for us. And that creates a lot of issues. In addition, um, if we talk about the real-time services, uh, that would be far from creation of the real-time services yeah. because first you have to segment these pictures, you have to pre-protest them, extract what you need, and then you could only, you know, create what, what you need. So the idea of processing uh, of data on board of the satellite, it's basically uh, to limit the data that will come from the satellite to the ground. This is first point. And second point, to make this real-time services happen. Um, so for the crisis management, it's, this is extremely important. If we have wildfire uh, detection or some, um, I don't know, for example, um, flood detection and things like that, such services can really influence and, uh, and change, um, change lives and save lives. So for this purpose, uh, we kind of faced a lot of challenges, how to make this happen. Because you need um, powerful data processing units on board, and at the same at the same time, um, there are a lot of new missions coming. So there are a lot of dilemmas in in this, and uh, that's what we started solving in KP Labs uh, six years ago. And now I think we could we could say that we have found some solutions to to the problem. Uh, in addition to Earth observation sector, when it comes to onboard data processing, uh, there is another data that we process on the board, on board, and this is telemetry data. And why it is important? Because it allows us to um, detect anomalies on board of the satellite, and also 
react very fast, take measures, um, and also lower the risk that mission will not be successful. And for a new space sector, it's quite important because um, missions are developing fast. They need solutions that could allow them to manage the mission also on board. And um, that basically led us in KP Labs into creation of an ecosystem of products that would answer uh, both needs. So first onboard data processing. And second, um, and second um, operations, uh, supporting the operations of the satellite. And we call this ecosystem smart mission ecosystem. And it consists of both a smart satellite uh, and smart payload. So smart satellite uh, includes the um, onboard computer, includes the onboard software, and also the algorithms that us, allow us to detect some faults, to make some changes on the satellites. And the smart payload uh, includes the computers that allowed onboard data processing. So uh, we, we understand that missions are different and you cannot always satisfy the needs of all of the customers with one computer. For this reason, the line of uh, computers that we have developed for onboard data processing uh, starts with the smallest unit uh, that is for uh, very small satellites and up to the satellites of 500 kilograms. Um, they have uh, different parameters, uh, they have different uh, lifespan, but they allow us to address different missions and needs of our clients. Uh, so for example, our smallest computer, um, it's called Le uh, Antelope. It's, um, initially, it was a typical OBC with some TTNC functions, but um, with time, it also um, evolved uh, into adding some data processing unit capabilities. And when we have a very small mission with a very small satellite, CubeSat, uh, we are capable to offer a product that also allows them to make some small onboard data processing. Then we have a product called Leopard, which is for the satellites up to 100 kilograms. And this is like a CubeSat standard, and um, it will also fly on our own satellite this year. And the biggest computer that is more for like ESA missions, it's called Lion, it's for the missions up to 500 kilograms. So we try for our customers to create the whole, uh, the range of the computers that will allow them um, also to answer the needs of their missions. And um, uh, another point why onboard data processing is also important is that I already mentioned before is we're going towards um, exploration of the moon or in future Mars. And this is, this is quite far away. And there are um, very often conditions when we cannot transfer all the data that we collect to the Earth right away. And that's where uh, onboard data processing also becomes quite important. So a part of the Earth observation, a part of the telemetry, telemetry data processing, uh, there are deep space missions coming who would really need onboard data processing. And that would be really quite important to have. So in the upcoming uh, years, like the future for the for the moon exploration is really shaping. There are about like uh, 50 missions or more than 50 missions up to 2030 uh, wow. that are planned to go to the moon. 
um, and they will be various. And onboard data processing on board of the rovers or landers to transfer the data that you collect um, would be quite, quite important. So um, I think it's, it's a very long, uh, and um, a long subject that could be discussed <laughs> <laughs> for data processing. And um, uh, there are conferences dedicated to this and there are amazing things that are happened in this domain. And uh, the sector is quite rapidly uh, developing and I'm glad we're part of it. I'm glad we're offering our solutions. We also in KP Labs have our own intelligence satellite. Um, so this is this smart satellite as, as you call it. It's called Intuition One. Uh, for us, it's a technology verification mission. So um, we will put our products uh, as as we see them, them fit in the satellite. So there will be our onboard data processing unit. There will be our algorithms that will be run on the satellite. And uh, uh, we will uh, launch it at the end of this year, I think in October this year. And uh, in frame of this mission, specific mission, uh, we will create a solution for the farmers. So we will collect um, with onboard hyperspectral camera. We will collect the images and use our um, our artificial intelligence algorithms to process these images on board of the satellite. And uh, to uh, as as an experiment, we will compare them also with the data that is collected with the traditional method, uh, with the probes from the fields, and develop them. Uh, the model for this, um, improve the model we have for onboard data processing for uh, identification of different parameters like phosphorus, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. Well, look, thank you so much for that. And, and as you say, it seems like a topic we could probably talk about for, for hours. And, you know, for, for me, at least personally, really interesting to hear because I've heard a lot about the Earth observation side of things, you know, the ability to process images and you know send down rather than raw data sending down an information product that your customers actually want being able to do that on orbit freeing up time connected to the ground stations freeing up the bandwidth um but you know hearing about all of the the kind of the autonomy that the onboard processing and storage will allow future space exploration missions to have you know i think that's that's really really going to be very kind of interesting and definitely change the market and also quite interesting thing that at the moment, like there are around 1000 satellites, Earth observation satellites, by 2030, there are about like 11,000 satellites planned to be uh, on, wow. uh, on orbit. And uh, for me, quite interesting is that about 1000 of them are going to be with onboard data processing. So that's, that's quite huge and quite changing for, for the sector, I think. Definitely, and you know, certainly gives gives companies like KP Labs a real opportunity to to kind of showcase what you can do. Um, so, look, thank you so much again for sharing your your insights there. Like I say, really interesting, especially from a personal perspective to learn more about that. Um, but we'd love to kind of move on now and and go into a subject that you touched on briefly earlier, um, and something really kind of close to our hearts, especially here in the, the kind of recruitment side of things. And that's diversity and inclusion in the industry. So Katia, I'm going to pass back over to you for these questions. Yeah. This um, is... Oh, sorry. Um, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. I thought it was a question already. Uh, apologies. Um, so yeah, Yulia, as Andrew said, you've already addressed how uh, passionate you are about women in STEM. Um, and I know 
from having met KP Labs and some of the guys and girls there um, that you guys do have a really good approach to diversity and inclusion internally. Um, so, and we know that you've grown a lot recently, you're continuing to grow in an amazing way. Um, so what has been the approach to making sure you have the most diverse talent pool um, that you can? Um, so generally, I think um, I already started my career in quite diverse uh, environment. Maybe at the very beginnings, I could really feel that it's it's a man's world. But um, the more it was, um, the more I was developing in the sector, I saw that um, it's not really about your gender or nationality. But in space sector, I really feel that it's rather about your passion, knowledge, and hard work. Um, that really matters. And um, I think uh, there is a lot of stereotypes, uh, at least maybe in Eastern Europe, because I see that in Western Europe, it was it was much different that, you know, the technical um, technical careers that are more for men, uh, especially like I was studying in the mechanical engineering, there were like three girls um, in, in the group. And it's not that because the girls can't, I think very often they are afraid and only the the very <laughs> the very pushy ones uh, go ahead and move with it. But I think it's really changing. And I think our kids already would be growing in a completely different, uh, different sector and different world because the diversity is really promoted at the moment. And um, not only within space sector, but everywhere. And it's not only for women, but also professions that um, are typically considered as uh, female and they are promoted to male. So I think it goes both ways. And it's, it's amazing because it allows people um, to understand that you can be whoever you want, whatever you want. Um, there are still some countries where there is a huge issue with this. There are still some um, generations still working in a lot of sectors that create some sub obstacles on this. But I, as, as much as we change the generation, it's really changing. I think for the space sector, the thing that is challenging, it's uh, sometimes, um, the language so english is an international language but if you come to countries where it's not a dominating language and the companies that are working in in the country mostly use their local language so you have to mostly fully speak their local language and that's also for some of the countries that um, creates an obstacles for the full diversity because you cannot recruit I don't know, people from, from countries uh, that are not English speaking, if they don't know the language. But I think it's also changing. It's, um, I would say with diversity, we are happy um, that we live in this transition time when, um, you know, this diversity is encouraged. Um, I'm also, I have a small kid and I see how the toys are, are developing. And also from the very young age, especially for the girls, I see how Barbie is changing the strategy, for example, that you can be whoever you want, you can look however you want, and it's amazing. And uh, generally in the toys, the toys already teach them that they could be and they could come whoever they want. Um, I think for me, a biggest, um, throughout my career, a biggest um, kind of sad thing was that there was only one female astronaut in European <laughs> Space Agency, but this year has changed it. And among five active astronauts, there will be two women. So I'm extremely excited about that. 
Um, and uh, we, we see the, the huge change in the management in Cape Labs. Um, I don't think we, the, the diversity is, is a problem. It's like we accept um, people depending on their knowledge and their passion rather than on their gender and uh, uh, gender and nationality. So yeah, I think we're happy living in this time. Um, I'm a bit sad that there are still countries that um, you know do not allow women to study or do not allow women to get education or create obstacles for that. But uh, what inspires me that um, in most of these countries, women fight, and I believe it just takes time. It just takes time until um, until we see what we see, and until we see them, you know, flying to space and and doing great things. So. Brilliant. Um, I think, yeah, you're exactly right. It is certainly a transition um, or transitionary period that we're currently in, especially uh, in the satellite new space industry. Certainly more to be done in the global uh, STEM issue. But um, I think, as you were saying, women do fight back. Um, it is changing. And fingers crossed the the world that your children will grow up in will be very different. Um, but no, certainly the work that KP Labs have done to address the issues is fantastic. Um, and I think it really does prove what a great company uh, you guys are. Um, so moving on then, um, this podcast has been an amazing experience to get to know you, get to know your career, most importantly, and a little bit more about KP Labs. But now we'd like to know more about you behind the career. Um, we're a very nosy bunch and we always like to ask our guests this question. What is your perfect weekend? Um, I think my perfect weekend would be at the beach. Uh, not the typical touristic beach, but <laughs> rather uh, <laughs> free of people beach. I'm a huge fan of the ocean and uh, of seas and I could spend like hours uh, sitting and listening to the sound of the ocean. And also that would be with my family. I know that with kids, it will not always be quiet <laughs> weekend. <laughs> weekend. Uh, but um, I think weekend you could spend with your family in the place that you love. It's the perfect weekend you could have. You're making me want to go down to the beach <laughs> at lunchtime now. <laughs> I think I might have to do that. Uh, <laughs> amazing. I'm going to pass you over to Andrew now, straight into the quickfire round. So yeah, we're now at my, uh, quite definitely my favourite part of the podcast, the quick fire round. Um, no clues here. We want you to think on your feet as, as best as you can and really give us the first answer that pops into your head. Um, so we've got 10 questions for, for you to answer, starting now. Coffee or tea? Tea at the moment. Okay. At the moment, <laughs> did it used to be coffee then? It used to be coffee. It used to be a lot of coffee. Um, <laughs> coffee is good, and I think it will change in some time. I will come back to coffee. It'll go back to coffee. It's a tea. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, big night out or quiet night in? Um, quiet night in. I think. Yeah, um, I don't know if you need an explanation. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. And what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh my god. Uh, I love singing and that's hard. <laughs> I think it would be uh, I Will Survive. Yeah, good choice. 
good, good choice. <laughs> um, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie? Oh my God, it was the TV show Last of Us. <laughs> I, that's a, it's, a, it's a great series. Um, but uh, in terms of movies, I think that the movie, well, I'm a huge man of, uh, uh, fan of Marvel. Like I can watch Marvel like hundreds of times uh, and, and <laughs> you know, love it. So the last movie was, I think it was the Black Panther, the second one. I think I know the answer to what this next one is going to be, but Mountain Retreat or Beach Getaway? I I would say beach getaway, but not yeah, like the public, a lot of crowded <laughs> beach, but some quiet Re beach. Really getting away, really getting away to somewhere yeah. nice and quiet. Perfect. Um, and if you could travel anywhere, don't worry about the expense, where would it be? Um, that's a hard question. Um, in terms of, I think it would be to the ocean, um, if it was a general answer. Most probably Portugal or New Zealand. I haven't been to New Zealand, so it's more of a dream at the moment. But Portugal, it's I don't know. This country stole my heart, so that would be uh, that would be number one. But um, I'm originally coming from Ukraine, and um, I still have family there. And I think my biggest wish at the moment would be go and see my family, which I can't really do <laughs> at the yeah. moment because of the places they they are living yeah well look, fingers crossed you get a chance to to spend some time with them soon um so on to our next question uh, netflix or disney plus oh my that's not fair <laughs> uh, <laughs> disney plus because it has all of the marvel movies uh, i was i was just about to say i'm sure it's going to be uh sure it's going to be disney plus because of the marvel connection um <laughs> and if if you could eat just one meal for the rest of your life what would it be one meal i don't think i will be uh, very much alive if i eat only one meal <laughs> for of my if you, life if you just had to pick your sort of favorite food if you know you know you're just going to eat it every day for the rest of your life um that's a very very hard question but i think i would go with i mean my brain uh wants me to say something healthy that would keep me alive longer but my favorite food is potato pancakes, so, which is very not healthy. <laughs> but I think I would go with it. Perfect. We'll, we'll take that one then. Um, plane travel or train travel? Oh, plane travel, of course. Um, I, it's funny because with the plane, every time it takes off, and I've been flying a lot, uh, it just every time I have the butterflies uh, in my stomach, like I'm in love. So it's definitely <laughs> travel. Great answer. And we're, we're down to our last question of the quick fire round now. And this is one we always like to ask people in the industry. Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? <laughs> None. <laughs> no, I mean, they're I, both, they're like both <laughs> extremely talented uh, people who uh, achieved a lot. But um, it's just I wouldn't choose either. Like I say, perfect answer as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so look, thank you so much for, for sharing your insights there. It's been great to get to know you. I certainly get to know you a little bit more personally. Um, we're down to our final question now. Um, so Katia, over to you. Thanks, Andrew. Um, our guest final question will always be the same. Uh, we love to ask, 
what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the satellite new space industry? Um, I think a lot of people uh, think about the satellites uh, and space industry as something um, very far away, as something unreachable, and um, they are afraid to try quite often. Um, I think not to be afraid to try because satellite industry, it needs uh, professionals from all of the domains, no matter who you are, like rocket scientist, mechanic, or marketer. And if it's something that is interesting for you, if you have thoughts that maybe that's something I should try, not to be afraid to do this. I mean, you can always quit if you don't like it, but you will regret if you don't try. And uh, another point, it's I think it's my personal thing. Um, any achievement takes uh, hard work. So you might have ambition, you might have passion, you might have um, all you need, but in my opinion, without hard work, um, it would be hard to achieve. So be hardworking and not to be afraid to try. Well, um, thank you so much for your time, Yulia. We, we really love having you on the show. Um, it's been great to hear all your thoughts, your insights, learn more about KP Labs, and of course, learn more about you. Um, as I say, real pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.